check, 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 check. Check, one, two, there we go. All right, that was some good worshiping. I was watching a few of the kids dancing around, and I was like, I was reminded of David bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the tabernacle and dancing before the Lord, and and uh, that's pretty cool. It was it was in, it was good to have the kids with us. It's good to have you kids with us. As a matter of fact, you know. It's, we don't let the kids in here very often because they probably don't like listening to me for very long. You're my favorite. <laughs> but um, I spoke to, this is no joke, in the last couple of weeks I had the opportunity to speak to people who have gone to like three other churches in this town and, and uh, they, they always want to know, do you have any kids in your church? I said, yeah, we have a lot of kids and we have a pretty vibrant youth ministry. And I think a lot of that's been because of what's been going on with uh, the um, uh, the ministry that we're starting downtown with the uh, um, bridge, as you guys know, and uh, it's kind of led to that conversation. But in that conversation, it's sad because all those people that I've talked to have said, even the ones that we met with yesterday, Justin, I don't remember what church they were from, but they said, we, we have no kids, none. And um, we're blessed, so we're glad that the kids are with us this, this evening. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. If you want to open up your Bible to Psalm 121, um, as I said when we were preparing for this, there's lots of pies to eat afterwards for all of us to fellowship, but I'm going to do a quick devotion through Psalm 121, and then, so as you guys are preparing and thinking, I'm going to open it up to the congregation for people to share about the praises and the thanksgiving um, that they have to give to the Lord that you can share as an encouragement with us. And I'm going to invite people to first volunteer their, 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 their testimony in that. And then for those, if we run out of volunteers, then um, I will volunteer some, some people. So um, be thinking. This is your warning. Be thinking ahead of time. And what I do want to ask is, is I want to ask that when you are sharing that you would speak loud enough so that we all can hear and share in the blessing of, of your thanksgiving and of your praise. So when Justin was reading, when you, when you began, we didn't talk beforehand, and you were like, I want to read a psalm before we were starting. I was back there with Cindy. I'm like, I know it. He's going to read the psalm that I'm going to teach from today. But he didn't. And so in Psalm 121, if you guys will look at it, it says in verse 1, Psalmist being David here writing, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, I will lift my eyes to the hills from where or whence comes my help. So it's a question. He speaks, and he says this in a question format. It's 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 a it's a it's, a, um, it's an opening question statement that builds for the rest of of these verses, which were really an answer. And I don't know about you, but I think we all have been in that spot, and maybe you're in that spot even today, where you're going, "Okay, I don't I don't know what's going on, God." but I'm needing some help, and I don't really know where it's going to come from. I know it's going to come from you, but I don't know how you're going to show yourself strong on my behalf in this situation. And, and David was in that place, and we've all been in that place, and, and so there's some really encouragement found in this. And so David goes on, and he proclaims first in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved, and he who keeps you will not sleep, will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither, slum, neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. 
The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night, and the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. All right, guys, let's say a prayer, all right? Father, we thank you, God, for this time that we get to be together as your kids, as, as, as family, um, because we share uh, our faith in Jesus Christ. We're thankful, God, for our salvation. We each and every one of us have uh, that to give thanks for. And, and in addition to that, Lord, there are so many other things. So as we study through this psalm, Lord, I pray you would speak to us each individually. God, that you would, you would prick our hearts, Lord, that you would prompt our minds to remember the things that you've done for us over this last year as we take this time in this season to reflect on your goodness and your kindness, recognizing, God, that you're our helper, that you're our everything we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I did some research and it was on September 16th, 1620, that the Mayflower set out from sale from Southampton, England for its destination to America. On December 26, 1920, 120 pilgrims that the Mayflower was carrying set a ground on a place called what? Plymouth Rock. And what we know, history teaches us that pilgrim leader, William Bradford, he had a diary, and in that diary, that historical account, he wrote that the voyage was motivated by this. If you're, if you're taking any kind of notes, whether mental or writing it down, he said they were motivated by a great hope for advancing the kingdom of Christ. That was their motivation for coming to the United States to what we know to be the United States, to America, a great hope for advancing the kingdom of Christ. However, what we know is that their first winter was a devastating one. They were weakened by the voyage. Could you imagine traveling on a, on a, on a ship for that long? That would be incredible. Um, and um, they needed to establish housing when they got here. And... Um, what we know is that many of them became sick with pneumonia and consumption, and they began to die. Sometimes, um, William Bradford wrote in his diary, as many as three per day. And when the winter passed and spring finally came around, they had lost in total 46 of the original 120 who sailed on the, May on the Mayflower. The pilgrims were obviously in need of help. And it came from an English-speaking member of the Wanapaneg Nation, a man by the name of, anyone? Squanto. Yeah, good job. A-plus for the Smith girls. <laughs> Representing. Good job, homeschool mom. <laughs> and Squanto decided that he would stay with the pilgrims for the next few months, and he would teach them how to survive. And he brought them food, and he taught them how to cultivate new vegetables in this new land. He taught them how to use fish for fertilizer and other skills that were needed for their survival. That next fall, when the harvest came around in 1621, because of Squanto and his efforts, it was a bountiful harvest. And the remaining colonists decided that they would celebrate with a feast. The only letter that we have telling us about this feast... This Thanksgiving dinner, that letter, in that letter, it praises God 
for the harvest, and it makes reference to God being the goodness or the goodness of God in which they had seen as a provision for them, saying that this, quote-unquote, that the feast was held so that they might, after a special manner, rejoice together. They had a feast in order that they, quote-unquote, might, after a special manner, rejoice together. Now, as we begin to look at this in light of this psalm and where we are at in our own season with Thanksgiving, and we as believers, we, I want to point out to you that the, the, the Bible defines that word pilgrim as one who journeys into foreign lands. And the psalm I read as we began is referenced or referred to often as the pilgrim psalm, Psalm 121, or the traveler's prayer. And it's believed that David wrote this psalm, this psalm during his travels as the king of Israel. And this psalm teaches us that we're to put our hope in God because he's the all-sufficient one for us. In other words, we must not rely upon or cling to or put our trust in anyone or anything other than God lest we lose hope. David acknowledged this in this psalm, in this prayer to God, also that is recorded in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and, and verse 15. And, and, and for we are pilgrims before you, O God, David says, as we were, as were all of our fathers. He says, our days on the earth are as a shadow. David knew that, that being a pilgrim in a spiritual sense meant passing through this life into the life that was to come. And David knew that the days that we have here on this earth, that they're numbered and they pass quickly. A temporary thing that fades away, he said, just as the sun sets, so too will our physical bodies and this earth that we live on as well eventually fade away. In Hebrews chapter 11, which we've been in a lot of time in, in light of our study through Genesis and studying about Abraham and the other fathers of faith, in verses 13 through 16 of the book of Hebrews, it tells us that our forefathers, they all died in faith, not having received the promises that God had made to them, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For those who say such things... The author of Hebrews writes, declare plainly that they seek a homeland, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And in these verses, the writer is um, speaking to his fellow countrymen, other forefathers of the nation of Israel, and addressed the fact that they too were pilgrims, travelers in a foreign land. And Paul pointed out that Israel's forefathers who had died before them, knowing that the earth was not their home, they traveled through this life with the understanding that they were foreigners on a journey who were headed to an internal homeland with a desire for a heavenly home. And this, this evening, I remind us of these things in light of Psalm 121, and I, uh, and I remind them in light of a family tradition that we have in our home, which I shared with you on Sunday, in where we take time at our Thanksgiving meal to share and to give thanks of something that has stood out to us over the past year that we are very thankful to God for. However, I want to be completely honest. In certain years that have been filled with what seem to be great trials and tribulation or hardships, at times it's been hard to 
to reflect and find something to be thankful for. Not that there hadn't been, it just had been times where there was, it was hard to do so. And, and as each one of you probably well know, there are times when this life brings hardships, times when it brings painful things that can come our way, whether it be financial, whether it be uh, a health thing or the, the loss of losing um, a loved one. What you all know is that the disappointments of this life can steal away from us those thoughts and feelings of thankfulness. And Psalm 121 reminds us and encourages us in light of the knowledge that we are travelers in a foreign land, in light of the fact that we're pilgrims headed to an eternal place, we're encouraged to look beyond the eternal things, the temporal thi- or be beyond the temporal things of this life and into the eternal. To Jesus, our hope for joy, and for peace, no matter what we're going through. And when we do this, we'll reap always a bountiful harvest, emotionally and spiritually, and we too will have many reasons to give thanks, even when the hardships of this life come this way. And I believe this was the heart behind what David has written to us here. And so if you look again, David, in light of I think these kinds of things, as we read down, it becomes evident anyway to us. He says, I'll lift my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. And he says in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. And so I'm just going to briefly hit these things and, and, and then give it time for us to discuss and to share and to give thanks. But I want to point out as I reflect on that first Thanksgiving back in 1621, that it could have been really easy for the pilgrims who come to America, could have been really easy for them on that Thanksgiving Day feast to honor Squanto, Right? to give thanks to him and praise to him for helping them. And I'm sure they were thankful. They owed their very lives to him at that point in an earthly sense. However, what we know from that letter that was recorded, that first event in a historical way, we know that they they praised God for saving them. And they did so because they knew where their help came from. David asking and then answering a question in these first verses, he tells us, he says, lift your eyes up to the hills, upward to the heavens. He says, where the Lord God who made the heavens and the earth dwells. For this is where our help comes from in our time of need. In fact, God calls us to him in the New Testament in our time of need. If you remember, it was Jesus who said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. David goes on in this psalm and he says in in verse 3, he says, He will not allow your foot to be moved, and he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And in these verses, what David begins to do, if you notice, he begins to lay out these truths about God. Not just in general, but in, in specific reference to his own experiences, Things that he knew to be true about God because he had experienced them. And David, first of all, he says, he's basically saying here, he says, listen, he says, God's not going to let you down. God's not going to let us down. He says, he will not let your foot be moved. And David assures us of this by pointing out a comforting characteristic of God, an attribute of God, a nature about the person of God saying that we can trust God to help us because he never sleeps. In reality, David is reminding us of the fact that that not only is God all-knowing, 
but that in his omniscience, he's intimately aware of everything that we go through, of the hardships that come into our lives. For God sees and he hears at all times. He doesn't fall asleep and miss out on something that takes place, of a trouble or a trial that we're going through. Not only that, I love this idea of God being our helper and not sleeping because it's not just that God sees and hears as a, as a passive observer or a bystander, because what we see here is that with the seeing and with the hearing, God makes a promise to be continually there for us. He sees and he hears to interact, to engage our lives. Now there's a, a funny historical account in the Bible. It's in 1 Kings. And it's between this confrontation that takes place between the prophet Elijah and these other false prophets of Baal uh, who worshiped a false god. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 22. But basically the gist of the story there, I'm going to summarize it for you of these events, is Elijah wants to put these false prophets, these false priests to a test to see whose God was the true God. And he's, he builds an altar, and he has these false priests build an altar. You guys probably know the story. And all these priests gather around this altar to try to call fire down from heaven from their God so that their God will be proven to be the true God. Well, I love it because as they're doing this, and there's no response, Elijah's mocking these guys, and he's saying to them, you know, shout a little louder. Maybe your God's asleep. And he, and he even says, you read out, he says, he says, he says, keep on going. Maybe he's busy. And the, the idea there in the original language is maybe your God's going to the bathroom and he can't get to you right now. He's tied up. And it's, it's funny when you see the prophet Elijah going through this. And, and in the end, we know that Elijah, he, he, he builds his altar. He soaks it in water so that there's no, no way of explaining away what happens other than his God is the true and living God. And Elijah calls out to God, and we know that fire comes down and consumes everything that was upon the altar. And I point that out to you because the fact of the matter is, is that our God is, is the God of the Bible. Our God, the God of the Bible, is, is available for those who trust in him, and he's available for them all of the time. Furthermore, our God, as we see what David's pointing out here, God's never too busy He's not got more important things that are taking up his time that he can't somehow be involved in our lives. He's never too busy. He's never on a journey. He's never sleeping. And this should assure us, it should comfort us, it should encourage us, and it should give us reason to thank God, to give thanks. And in verse 5, David goes on, he says, Lord is your keeper. He is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. And once again, David is again pointing out for us as believers who rely upon, cling to, and trust in God for our help in our time of need. He's pointing out the fact again in these verses that we're never going to be let down. And David does this by pointing out the fact that God not only is omniscient, always awake, always there, but he's also all-powerful. And when we realize that we have an all-powerful God, we know that he's able to protect us at all times, that no harm's going to come to us. He can protect us from all times. He is our keeper. He is our shade at our right hand. And that right hand is always a significant reference in Scripture because it always gives reference to a side of strength, a place of power, a side that defends. And so when we're engaged in the battles of this life, better yet, when we feel like we're being attacked, from every angle, right? 
as we go through this life. What we can do is, is we, can, we can rest assured that, that the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, is what David is saying. He's, he's close by your side. He's just not watching from above, looking down. He's there at your side. And in light of this, we see that God's there to protect us. Not only is he there to keep, protect us, but he's he, from, from adversities and from enemies and those kinds of things. He's there to protect us even from ourselves. And I love that. So many people have said to me lately, I love it when, when you see God do cool things in, in spite of ourselves. So like when we get out of the way, God does all these great things. And yeah, when we get out of the way, God does all these great things. But what I'm grateful for is, is that even when I'm in the way, God's still doing great things. And he keeps us from stumbling, and when we stumble, we know he's there to pick us up. So whether it's in the heat of the day, as David writes, or whether it's in the darkness of the night, there is nothing else in this life that brings these kinds of assurances. Not a job, not a big bank account, and certainly not the government, right? Psalm 37, verse 24 says this. It says, even though we may fall, we, sure, we shall not be utterly cast." Cust- cast down for the Lord upholds us with this hand and you know what I'm sure that those early pilgrims in America I'm sure they felt great despair when 46 of them passed away could you imagine you come to that homeland to this new land I mean thinking that you want to build the kingdom of God and nearly half of you pass away in a few in a, in a few short months I'm sure they were feeling despair because that was their friends, that was their family members, and they were dying all around them, and yet they were not utterly cast down, were they? For when springtime came, they were able to give thanks to God who had upheld them with, all, with his all-powerful hands. And the same assurances of God's protection gives us also great reason to give thanks. Lastly, we read in verse 7, it says, The Lord shall preserve you from evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going and in, your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even more. And lastly, David assures us of God's protection. For those who look to him and put their trust in him, saying that will go beyond the temporal dangers and the hardships of this life into the eternal And that's where we as pilgrims need to have that mindset. Not just a protection in this life, but God's provided eternal protection for us. And I mentioned the fact that that all of us as pilgrims were travelers in a foreign land. And we know that when this life passes away, that we'll go to live on for all eternity. And the Bible tells us that we will all be resurrected and some to eternal life and others to eternal death. And David affirms in this psalm, in these last two verses, that only God can preserve the pilgrim's soul for all eternity. And God's protection over our eternal soul is greater than and will prevail against any evil that might rise up against us. And the all-familiar passage of Scripture that reminds us of that is Romans 8, verses 37 to 39, where he says, Yet in all these things, guys, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. However, this assurance to preserve our souls is only only a guarantee to those who will put their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ. 
this evening, I know that we are here because we've put our faith in Jesus Christ to preserve our soul. And because of this, we all have much to be thankful for. And you and I, like David says here, we can lift our eyes to the heavens and know where our help comes from. We know who protects us, and we know who provides for all of our needs. And you and I know as we travel through this life as pilgrims who are in a foreign land that we're journeying, we're on a journey to a heavenly homeland where we will reside for all eternity. And with these great things in the front of our minds, I know that it's God's desire that we together might, after some special manner, rejoice together to give thanks together and to praise God together for His goodness, for His protection, for His provision, and for His salvation. Let's pray. Father, I thank You, God, for these words of encouragement. God, Your Word is so applicable to our lives in every moment. It ministers to us, God. It is truth. And we thank You for this. In Jesus' name, amen.